Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow to get it together and uh, today we are definitely trying to get it together at the polls and uh, I am just really uh, thrilled about today about being able to uh, have especially this particular guest we have on uh, tonight on election day and on quite a controversial election day at that. So uh, this is going to be uh, a wonderful, wonderful conversation, and um, I hope you will uh, enjoy it. And remember, all of these, as soon as we're done, they become podcasts, and uh, you can come back to this site and uh, listen to these uh, whenever you want. We have probably, I don't know how many we have now, because we've been doing this for uh, into our third year, I believe. And uh, we've got just some wonderful, wonderful shows that are still very relevant. And um, of course, what we love to talk about here um, at The Catch, what I love to write about and talk about with you on Blog Talk Radio, and are things that have to do with as being Christians in the world, and uh, boy, uh, there couldn't be a more uh, applicable topic today than than Christians and politics. And and our guest is a person who has done a great deal of writing in this area uh, and uh, thinking, teaching. Uh, he is. Uh, he was for 27 years professor of American religious history at Columbia University, and uh, then he was named the inaugural director of the Society of Fellows at Dartmouth. He's been a visiting professor at Princeton, Yale, Northwestern, Emory Universities, and Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism. I, <laughs> I used to. I used to go to Sweden with a guy from the South who used to always say, my mom, your mama didn't raise no dummy. <laughs> uh, that's our guest for sure tonight. Um, and applicable because uh, he's done a lot of talk and writing about evangelicals and politics, this really strange mix that's been uh, going on for about 30 years now, especially. We're going to talk about that tonight. And um, not only that, he, he's a, uh, I, I love his books. Uh, Mine Eyes Have Seen the Glory is a classic. It's an old one now, but I think in the 80s that came out. But uh, it's a classic. It became a uh, uh, award-winning uh, PBS series. 
and then he's done many other books. Uh, uh, actually, uh, he uh, he did a uh, uh, bio, bio biography or a memoir. I'm not sure which one he calls it. He can correct that on uh, on Jimmy Carter, and uh, and. Uh, he knows enough about evangelistic uh, evangelicalism in America to write an encyclopedia of evangelicalism in America. And I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I love this, Randall, because I, I've made a joke uh, about this because I'm, I'm in the encyclopedia of evangelicalism, and I love where I'm at. I'm, I'm between fire-baptized Holiness Church of God of the Americas <laughs> and... <laughs> and, and on the other side of me, Randall, is flannel graph. <laughs> flannel graph. Isn't that perfect? <laughs> you the, the, the fire breathing and church. You and I are both and, 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 and you, you and I yeah. are both old enough to remember flannel graphs. <laughs> oh yeah. For sure. So now now that you're on now that you're on this show, I will officially welcome uh, to Blog Talk Radio, Randall Balmer. Uh, welcome, Randall. Thanks for being with us tonight. Thank you, John. Good to be good to be with <laughs> you. It's always good to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go back. Let's go back a bit, and because uh, I think I think we both grew up. You grew up in a Christian home, didn't you? Um, am oh, I absolutely. right about that? Yes. Yeah. Or and oh, and yeah, I absolutely. did, yes. and I can remember back when I was a kid, uh, politics just really didn't enter into our life very much. As as no, especially no, as, right. as Christians, it wasn't a big deal, and that that right. I would say was pretty much the case all the way up and probably even through college. But something yep. happened. And suddenly Christians are enmeshed in politics to where we're a coalition. We're actually, you know, uh, swaying the country in terms of of the people who are being elected. And and Christians are – what happened, Randall? How did that – how did that change come about? It's a great question, John, and uh, uh, I, I could probably spend the rest of our time answering that question, but I'll try to keep it short. <laughs> I'm sure. What happened, what, what happened was that, um, well, let, uh, let me go back to the 1920s. <laughs> I'll try not to go back any farther than that. Oh. What happened in the 1920s is that uh, uh, evangelicals, uh, evangelical Christians began in the 1920s to feel as though they were being marginalized by the larger society. In many ways, the the Scopes trial in Dayton, Tennessee, in July of 1925, uh, symbolized their their um, marginalization in American society. And so, for, really, for the next 50 years, evangelicals were not involved in politics. Certainly, not in an organized way. Many many of them voted, certainly, but many others weren't even uh, registered to vote. Uh, because there was a sense, and you remember this from your childhood too, I expect, there was a sense that politics was kind of dirty and it was the devil's work. Mm. And, you know, there's really, there was really no payoff for, for Christians to become involved in politics. 
And that began to change in the 1970s. And uh, I'm going to mention kind of three uh, turning points. Uh, I think one I keep coming back to is uh, uh, the the Chicago Declaration of Evangelical Social Concern that was drafted in November of 1973. And I'm going to, I won't spend much time on this other than, than to say what's remarkable about that document is that it really reflected the concerns of 19th century evangelicals who were very concerned about people on the margins of society. So the uh, 1973 document talked about the, or bemoaned the, the persistence of racism in American society. It also talked about the growing gap between the affluent and those who are not affluent. Uh, it also talked about the scandal of the persistence of hunger in a an affluent society. And uh, you'll remember that shortly after that, uh, Ron Sider wrote uh, a classic book that, that was uh, oh, yeah. very successful among evangelicals called Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger. And the other thing that mm-hmm. that, uh, that document in 1973 uh, uh, affirmed, or reaffirmed rather, was the support of evangelicals for women's rights and women's equality, very much the way that evangelicals worked for women's equality and voting rights all the way back into the 19th century. So that would be the first mark. And I'm not going to make any pretense that the the Chicago Declaration spoke for a, a majority of evangelicals in the country. It didn't. Uh, I think in part because of the Cold War and because of Billy Graham's very public friendship with uh, Richard Nixon, that uh, many white evangelicals were leaning kind of toward the right of the political spectrum. And the Chicago Declaration pointed them back a little bit more toward the center or even toward the left of the political spectrum. The second thing that happened in the 1970s is that a born-again evangelical Christian Southern Baptist Sunday school teacher ran for president <laughs> in 1976. And um, I think you and I are roughly the same age, but uh, so I won't speak for you, but I remember very clearly being in uh, a student, an undergraduate at Trinity College in Deerfield, Illinois, and all of a sudden becoming aware of this candidate for president who talked openly about a being a born again Christian. And I was just, I was flabbergasted at this because we had always, you know, certainly called ourselves born again Christians, and I still would refer to myself that way. Uh, but we were always very sheepish about it. And he wasn't. He was very proud of it, and he talked about it as being the most important thing in his life. He talked about Jesus Christ being the most important uh, factor in his life. So that had the effect in the 1976 campaign of bringing evangelicals back into the political process a little bit, I mean, somewhat gingerly, but I think many evangelicals uh, were relishing the opportunity to vote for one of their own for president in 1976. Mm -hmm. Then what happens, and this is the big part of the story that uh, most people misunderstand, is that uh, ironically, paradoxically, during Jimmy Carter's presidency, then evangelicals began to mobilize against Jimmy Carter and in favor of uh, Ronald Reagan by the time of the 1980 presidential election. Now, the story that is often um, um, told about this is that evangelicals were uh, began to mobilize politically in the 1970s 
in response to the Roe v. Wade decision of 1973. It's a great story. It's been repeated many times, and it is utter fiction. I call it the abortion myth. Um, and just to go back over this quickly, and you can cut me off if you want, if you want here, but uh, in the interest of time, but uh, going back to 1968, uh, Christianity Today, the flagship magazine of evangelicalism, together with an evangelical group called the Christian Medical Society, held a conference that uh, discussed the issues of uh, artificial, artificial birth control and abortion and concluded that conference by saying, we really don't know where we stand on the, uh, the ethical and moral issues surrounding abortion, but we think it should be legal. When the wow. Roe v. Wade decision was handed down, well, before that, actually, in 1971, before the Roe v. Wade decision, the Southern Baptist Convention, not exactly a readout of liberalism, called for the legalization of abortion, a resolution they reaffirmed in 1974, the year after the Roe v. Wade decision. Amazing. And again in 1976. When the Roe v. Oh Wade decision goodness. was handed down, Several prominent evangelicals, including W.A. Criswell of First Baptist Church in Dallas, one of the most famous fundamentalists of the 20th century, issued a statement applauding the Roe v. Wade ruling. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm mentioning this, John, not to say that abortion is good. I would never say that. It, I think uh, abortion is, is, uh, is at the very least regretable and, 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 and certainly important in many ways. But mm-hmm. I'm mentioning this as a way of saying that abortion was not what got evangelicals involved in politics in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, uh, it, I, I don't know if I'm happy to talk about that, but I've been talking long enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Are you there? I'm here. Uh oh. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, so it was not that, but then, so so what was it then? Well, uh, it's, it's, cert- it's not a pretty story. Abortion certainly be. Yeah. It did. Yeah. Well, it's. Yeah. Abortion can you do it, by the night. Can you do by, it quickly? By the, <laughs> sure, yes. But by the time of the 1980 election, uh, abortion was part of the agenda, but that was not what got evangelicals mobilized politically. And I'm afraid the story that, uh, that is the real story is not a pretty one. Uh, evangelicals got involved or mobilized politically in the 1970s to defend the tax-exempt status of racially segregated schools, so-called segregation academies, as well as uh, places like Bob Jones University. That's what got them mobilized as a political movement. Up until 1979, certainly 1980, up until that time, evangelicals regarded abortion as a Catholic issue. It wasn't until they got energized over Hmm. defending tax exemptions that abortion later came into that agenda. And I mentioned this, uh, you know, again, I'm I'm not... uh, Please understand, I'm not defending abortion. I would never, mm-hmm. never do such a thing. But I'm mentioning this as a way of providing clarity for exactly yeah. why evangelicals became involved politically in the late 1970s. Yeah, okay, okay. But certainly, as we progressed into it, abortion did become almost 
Oh, sure. And maybe even still is the the, the big issue for Christians. Am I am I right about that? It, 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 it is for a lot of people, uh, and 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 certainly, you know, I honor that. At the same time, I wouldn't want to say uh, if if the goal is to is to cut down on the number of abortions, uh, something that I certainly applaud. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to question whether or not legal means are the best way to do that. I, it seems to me that abortion yeah. is a moral issue more than it is a legal issue, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get it down to, uh, okay. You brought up some, some, uh, brushstrokes on, on the whole thing here. Uh, but let's get it down to, to, to Joe and Sally in the pew. And, <laughs> um, okay, what, why did Is it the same thing? What got them really motivated uh, in, Into uh, politics? Well, I think it was a I, combination I, of things I Certainly, go ahead Well, I, I'm just saying I, I, I was um, You know, during some of those early years I was still in the musical part of my career and so I was traveling sure. and doing concerts and, and I, and I did a lot of radio interviews and w- with those radio stations, there were a lot of call-ins and I would hear these conversations and, and boy, uh, people would call up and they would be mad and, uh, and scared. Uh, but, uh, lots of anger and fear. Um, coming from Christians, and I, it, it was a, an eye opener for me. And these were these were the people in the pew I'm talking about. These were the regular Joes, you know, who sure. uh, who somehow got caught up in all of this. And uh, so I, I'm wondering whether you can maybe uh, put a little story around that. Uh, for sure. I, well, I think what 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 happened in the in the late 1970s is that as the religious right was was getting was gearing up for the 1980 election, um, Paul Weyrich, who was really the person, he was kind of the uh, um, the brains behind this uh, movement and this coalition. He's the guy who got Jerry Falwell involved and so forth. Weyrich recognized that defense of racial segregation was not likely to be an issue to mobilize grassroots Christians. And so uh, he really stumbled on abortion as the issue. And, uh, you know, I can go into, uh, this is something, John, I've researched for for more than Mm -hmm. a a decade uh, going through archives and so forth. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident I have the, <laughs> have the narrative right here. Yeah. Uh, what what <laughs> happened is that in the midterm elections of 1978, uh, he really stumbled on abortion as an issue that hmm. would get uh, grassroots evangelical Christians uh, motivated. And that's when he began to push that uh, as the issue. Jerry Falwell, by his own, by his own admission, did not preach about abortion until 1978. And that's more than five years after the Roe v. Wade decision. 
but you're right. What you were hearing in the radios and so forth is a real, um, real anger, real upset uh, about this issue. And the other thing that made it uh, a popular issue among evangelicals was Francis Schaeffer, particularly his film, Whatever Happened to the Human oh, yes. Race, that he made with uh, C. Right. Everett Koop. And that began uh, traveling around the country in the early months of 1979. And that, uh, again, was kind of a, a setup for the 1980 election. You know, the, the great, uh, one of the great ironies about the 1980 election is that uh, you had uh, Jimmy Carter, the incumbent, the, the evangelical running against Ronald Reagan, and Jimmy Carter, uh, and uh, I've written a, a biography of Carter, so I know a little bit about him. Uh, Jimmy Carter had a much longer and more consistent record of opposing abortion than did uh, Ronald Reagan in 1980. Nevertheless, uh, in large huh. because of people like uh, uh, Jerry Falwell and uh, James Robeson wow. and, and others, and certainly Paul Weyrich. Uh, the support of evangelicals went to Ronald Reagan in, in 1980. Wow. Isn't that amazing? I mean, here we've got a born again, <laughs> real born again believer. Yeah. I mean, you know, genuine, I mean, you wrote yeah. a book about him. By the way, he's the real deal, right? <laughs> he is. He is. And, and, and listen, I, I, I I, I don't think he was a great president, and I'm I'm certainly willing yeah. to say that. Um, I I said I don't I'm not sure anybody could have succeeded as president in the late uh, late years of the 1970s. It was a terrible time, uh, with, uh, largely because of the Arab oil embargo and all sorts of things, interest rates and so right. forth. And I'm not uh, I'm not making the case that he was a uh, he was one of our top tier presidents by any stretch of the imagination, but. He was and is a sincere believer, uh, a dedicated Christian. And uh, I, I think his uh, conduct after leaving office, uh, you know, puts any doubts about that to rest. Yeah. Now, now of course, we know that Jimmy Carter is a Democrat. And um, my goodness, hey, you know, how is this possible? <laughs> you know, uh I think this is starting to change. You know, uh, Christians and Republicans have have been wedded together for some time, um, but now I, you know, I think we're beginning to find actually uh, that there are some Christians who are Democrats. And uh, what 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 I want to ask you is, um, it seems to me whether a Christian is a Democrat or a Republican probably says a lot about their priorities. And and if their Christian yeah. faith is going to going to, you know, enter in to their politics, then how is that possible that that it can go both ways there? What what's the difference? I mean, what 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 is a a a, a Christian who's a democrat probably have as priorities? Versus uh, a Republican Christian, maybe. Well, I mean, I, 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 it's hard to speak for everybody, of course, uh, but uh, it seems to me that um, issues uh, uh, concerning those call, that Jesus called the least of these have something to do with that. And, you know, we talk about immigration policy and uh, we talk about the Bible and, and, and we should. 
But uh, let's remember that the Bible talks about uh, welcoming the foreigner, uh, welcoming the stranger as one of your own, because you too were <laughs> once a foreigner. Uh, the Bible talks, and Jesus uh, himself, Matthew 25, talks very explicitly about caring for the needy, uh, clothing the homeless, uh, visiting the prisoners. Uh, how does that have an effect on uh, mass incarceration, for example? It seems to me that if you take the Bible seriously, and I try to do so, and I know you do as well, uh, you have to ask these questions and, and, how, and, and, and try to determine how they uh, inflect one's sort of political views and one's political uh, allegiances. I, I, I think the problem, and, and I say this advisedly, but I think what happened historically, and I'm a historian, so that's, how I, that's my frame of reference, what happened historically is that beginning with the 1980 election, many evangelical Christians decided to cast their lot with the Republican Party and in many cases with the far-right fringes of the Republican Party. And I think this is, um, yeah, I, I'm trying not to be judgmental here, but it, 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 it was the beginning, in my judgment, of a kind of slippery slope that led in 2016 to, um, to, to Donald Trump. And uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm trying to be careful mm-hmm. here, but uh, I, I guess I'm just, just uh, uh, raising this as a question or raising this as an issue. Is this where we want to be? This is a movement yeah. that for 40 years claimed to be about family values. Um, no one has persuaded me that um, <laughs> supporting this man is an expression of, of support for family mm-hmm. values. I just don't understand how that case can yeah. be made. No, maybe somebody wants to make that case, and if they do, I'll, I'll listen to it. But uh, at least on the on the on the face of it, it, it seems to me a pretty tough sell. So it, it seems to come down to then uh, some kind of a selective process of of priorities, does it not? I mean, uh, one person sure. is going to say, "No, the, the the abortion it's really all about abortion. That's the only thing I really care about." And someone else is going to say. No, no, I, I, I care about um, uh, the least of these. I, I care about programs to help the poor and sure. and uh, right. these things. It, it, isn't that right. isn't that kind of what it comes down to? Sure, I'm sure it does. What your priorities and, and, are? Uh, yeah, um, you know, uh, and, and is that what you said too? <laughs> where, where your treasure yeah. is, there your heart will be also. I think yeah. it, it's 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 related. But if you read Matthew 25, um, Jesus is pretty clear about a number of things, and I think uh, you know it's probably too late in the day to, yeah. <laughs> today. But I, I think anybody yeah. uh, heading off to the polls might want to uh, at least give a quick glance, glance <laughs> to Matthew 25 and yeah, and, yeah. And, and ask themselves or, or where, Matthew, where the candidates yeah. stand on these issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or Matthew five. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Sure, that that would yeah, that would go a long way. You, you could you could, uh, you could you could do a whole lot worse than that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for sure. Well, you know, um, it's just such an interesting time right now. Uh, it, it's 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 just even hard to 
hard to talk about it because uh um yeah you know there's a there's a there's a mean spirit uh in the country right now and yeah. um for some reason it seems like uh that mean mean spiritedness has has kind of caught fire and I, and I'm not sure who started the fire but you know it's yeah. it's blazing away and so uh, uh for a long time um i i was kind of i think in i i was blaming trump uh for this but i think of late i'm beginning to wonder whether uh, i had oz guinness as a guest um uh, not too long ago and he basically basically said that that we we respond we created trump um <laughs> he didn't he hasn't he hasn't done this we we have created him and when you think about how these rallies go and and how people get fired up and how it seems like yeah. you know he can just go to whatever level he wants to go he, it's getting it's almost worse and worse and everybody says yes more and more give us more what what is going right. on with the average american then what why are they like you know What's going on? Are we that upset? Uh, are we that angry at the whole political system? What do you think is going on? You have any, well, any I think that's idea part of it. That? And, and, I, and I, I think one, one feeds the other. I mean, he, he has tapped into something. There's no question about that. But he also, he also uh, fuels it. He, he riles up the crowds, mm-hmm. and he, he knows how to do it. He's very effective uh, at, at doing that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of discontent. Uh, there, people feel as though um, that the the economic recovery has passed them by. For example, uh, people feel disenfranchised mm. in, in one way or another. So I think there, there's there's something there, and he's tapped into it. I mean, I think the irony is that you know he he represents. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you kind of step back from it. He, he represents the problem for these folks rather than the, the solution, perhaps. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, because he's uh, because of his wealth and and uh, you know the, the the tax cut that went through Congress and, and that sort of thing, which exacerbates the difficulties for lower income folks um, and, and overwhelmingly favors uh, those who are affluent. So that I mm-hmm. think that's that's part of the irony of it, but he's able to tap into this and, and to, uh, to fuel these fires of resentment. I think the other thing that, that has, that makes him attractive to some evangelicals is that uh, he speaks the language of victimization very well. And evangelicals for, you know, probably three quarters of a century now have been seeing themselves as victims in the larger culture. You know, it's all our values that are under attack and so forth. We're a minority. When I think uh, Mm. any sober assessment would would at least call that into question, if not uh, reject that assertion outright. But Trump is very good Mm -hmm. at that sort of rhetoric of victimization, and that's, I think, one of the reasons that he's been so popular among uh, evangelical Christians. Okay, I, I just hate to I hate to say this, but it, our 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 time is already up. Um, let me just ask you a, a really a, a wrap up hard question here. Um, just okay. what would you say to what would you say to our our listeners? Um, 
who are, for the most part, believers. Some of them are seekers, but most part believers. Um, What what would you say is the important thing for them in, in, in this particular cultural setting that we live in right now today? Well, I think uh, you know, I would I would go with the old slogan, "What would Jesus do?" <laughs> in this case, how would Jesus hmm. vote? And uh, I, I think I mean I don't I don't pose that question lightly, and I don't pretend to to be able to uh, tell you the answer to that question. I, I think mm-hmm. I, I think we have to to think about what the effects of policies are, what the effects of tax policies are. What's, what's the effect uh, on uh, health care and health policy? Um, I think also, for me, a very important uh, uh, criterion is truthfulness. I mean, you look at these uh, independent mm. um, sites that have said that since coming into office, Donald Trump has either lied or um, mm-hmm. made misleading statements over 6,400 times. I mean, and these are independent <laughs> groups. Now, people will say, oh, this is, you know, these are, are, are stilted, and you're, you can dismiss it that way. But I think there are people who take this stuff, uh, take these assessments pretty seriously. To me, that's a pretty, that's a pretty damning <laughs> statistic. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, one of the commandments, I think, says something about uh, uh, bearing false witness. And uh, I think we need to take that seriously. Yeah, yeah. So being truthful ourselves uh, and not falling well, into this, yeah. uh, this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean that. That's well, where it starts, Randall, um, but I think uh, I think it has broader yeah. implications. Yeah. Um, one last question: What are you working on now? Are you working on a? <laughs> are you Are you probably working on a book or two? I bet, huh? I am working on a book or two. I'm working on a, a couple of projects. One is uh, actually a television documentary and a book on uh, the Orthodox Church in Alaska, which is a fascinating story. Probably don't, uh, maybe that's Why? another conversation. But uh, I'm yeah. also inter- doing a book on, uh, on the intersection between sports and religion. I'm fascinated by that. So that's, that's oh. a project. So, Ooh. Boy, I'm The symbolic in that. world of sports and yeah, it's, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. I bet, I bet. Well, I, we'll have to talk about that sometime for sure. Because uh, right. I'm a big baseball Happy to do it. So. <laughs> yeah, well, Randall, this too. has been great. Me too. This has been great. I I hope we have uh, uh, helped to help help people think through some issues right now. See maybe why we got where we are, and uh, and to be smarter. Uh, I think about um, whether we just fall in with the crowd. Uh, sometimes, you know, I think we can fall in with the Christian crowd, and uh, that is still not the way it should be. I mean, we've got to ask some hard questions uh, about: Are we truly following Jesus? So, thank you. Why, why so much. serpents innocent as doves? Right? Yeah. Yes. My pleasure. Thanks. Yes. Okay, Randy. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye, John. Well, folks, there you have it. That was so cool. And uh, I don't know where you are, where you're hearing this. Um, 
head to the polls if you've been there. Um, uh, think think about what you're doing. Um, uh, think about following Christ. Read Matthew 25 and Matthew 5 would be uh, two great things to uh, consider. And uh, um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, I like people like like Randall because he, he's a he's a believer, uh, but he's also a a scholar, and and he's a historian, and he's able to see why it's why what are the cultural reasons for some of the things that we end up thinking um are christian as a matter of fact and uh that's where we have to be be smart and uh clearing away the cultural stuff and getting to the truth about being a follower of jesus and that's the challenge for you for me for all of us um and Think about that even as you go to the polls. This will be a great day. It's going to be interesting to see how things come out for sure. Um, We'll be all watching that. So God bless you. Uh, Next week, we're going to continue this. Uh, A real surprise for next week. uh, um, One of our board members we've had uh, about two or three times on um, is a – uh, PR. Uh, I, I want to say he's a he's a even a Republican uh, pundit, uh, and uh, he's in Sacramento, and uh, his PR firm has has helped uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger get into office and uh, a number of other political causes he's been a part of, and I thought uh, Rob would be a fantastic guy to talk to the week after um, election. So next week, uh, pick up on that and uh, we'll do a kind of postpartum for, uh, for today. So God bless you. Make Christ the center of everything. Follow him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, uh, and the Lord as yourself. God bless you.